0: Hey Legend, today we meet back with Helen and Seb and Monique and Gio celebrating three months Earthside. I've got Gio on my lap. Coming to the end of the fourth trimester and that newborn bubble. Yeah, it's pretty tricky isn't it mate? Bittersweet as we say goodbye to those long sleepy days and hello to the sweet smiles and laughter. Monique and Helen are two very brave mums sharing the hard stuff. We aren't just here to focus on the trickier aspects of parenting, but to share in those joys and celebrate the amazingness that comes with being a mum. A very realistic balance, hey Gio. This month we cover some of my favourite topics. Baby development, baby sleep, baby talk, and of course, baby play. So let's get right into it. Before we get started, I wanted to introduce you to my online membership, the Baby Play Academy. With over 250 purposeful play ideas from birth to walking, masterclasses on rolling, crawling, walking and baby sign language, bonus extras, webinars from paediatric experts and tummy time and sensory play PDFs, over 150 frequently asked questions at your fingertips and my favourite, on hand support from my team of physio, OT and speech as well as hundreds of other parents in our online support forum. It is everything you need to play, connect, and reduce the anxiety around development in that first year and a half of your baby's life. Come and check it out at www.babyplayacademy.com. I would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the traditional lands of the Wajak people of the Noongar Nation. I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place and acknowledge that they never ceded sovereignty. I pay my respect to the elders, both past, present and future.
1: Hey Mum, it's time for baby grandpa.
0: For those of you that don't know, Helen and Monique are both teachers. So guys, tell us a little bit about what year you teach and how long you've been teaching. In
2: teaching for about 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> I'm upper primary. <laughs> Why are you so surprised? Because you look so young. <laughs> you look youthful. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Upper primary is my area. I'm actually a math specialist, so, curriculum Keeping leader numbers. for most for the whole school, yeah. so on leave at the moment. Own that. Big <laughs> <Yeah>. boss lady. <laughs> Big boss lady. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've always loved maths and mm. kind of ended up in that area, doing a bit of leadership across the different year levels, so that's allowed me to see a little bit further down into the lower primary end, <laughs> early childhood. But language as well is a area that I'm really interested in. I have done a little bit of work with different language development within different year levels yep and definitely looking at dialects and especially yeah. with Aboriginal English yeah across the school because we have lots of different dialects within the school as far as Aboriginal language groups go oh.
3: yeah what about you Helen I'm similar we actually think we might have studied together but like at some point, with yeah similar faces <laughs> familiar faces <laughs> yeah so yeah somewhere around the nine or ten years mark I'm not mm. quite sure. And I've had year threes, year fours, year fives, and I also did just a little tiny bit of science as a specialist Mm. teacher right before changing schools. I was in that before I won the new position at my school that I've been at for a few years now. And science has always been my passion. I did a science degree before I changed into teaching. Yeah, I actually did linguistics as part of my science. No way. Yeah, because I did German through high school and uni, so the second language study has always been really like a big... Think for me. And so, yeah, again, like language development has always been really interesting and important. Mm. How our brains can compute second language sounds as well. I'm really interested in knowing more about and it's kind of, you know, 15 odd years since I sort of read up anything on that. Yeah. And yeah, having that middle primary, I really enjoy sort of the there's that development of we still most of the time want sort of love and affection from mm. the teacher, but we also are our own little people and yeah. kind of becoming more individual and are different. Just going that now with yeah. my
0: seven-year-old. Yeah. He's only in year one, but he's like the July 1st baby yeah. of year one. So
3: Yeah. Um, what that's you always deaf? tricky. <laughs> I know. It's so
0: tricky. We're, yeah. Yes, that's another podcast for another time. <laughs> what are you? I, I'm so interested to see, especially like you've been teaching for a long time and I've obviously been a peds physio for a long time and so like – you know 2010 to 2023 what given like before that but like what are you seeing in the changes of kids coming through schools like is there is there trends that you're noticing and this is all anecdotal yeah. guys like you know they might not some to generalize research. but <laughs> I don't want to generalize but. like what are you generally what have you generally seen in your time and what are you choosing to do to do with your little ones yeah. to try and you know give them the best start to life
3: well there's definitely more sort of screen native so in terms of using digital resources in the classroom the children find that pretty easy and it's you know we don't Mm. have to teach how to do ipad related things so
2: tech savvy yeah Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. um but then on the other hand there's kind of two things one the weird i can't think of the right word (laughs)
0: um,
3: something that you might not expect with the children that are so tech savvy is that they're not computer savvy. Okay, So just things, iPad savvy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay. So we, you know, yeah, around the so year true. three, year four mark, we're teaching computing skills. Like mm. there are buttons to press and you can use a mouse. And, the and save, typing skills. Yeah, typing. It's huge. Yeah. The save button is based on a floppy disk. So we actually keep an old floppy disk in the classroom. We're oh, like, this is them. an early version of data yeah. that was before CDs, that was before digital. CDs. And yeah, yeah <laughs> literally. So teaching things like that that mm. are not obvious for the students. And then I guess the other side of it is sometimes, like, my school actually encourages taking responsible risks as one of the habits of mind as part mm. of education. Mm. So we actually have two trees on our school property that yeah. are climbable. Cool. And that's one of the reasons one of my friends recommended I follow you oh. when I was pregnant with Seb.
2: Was a risky because, play. Because of <laughs> to a risky play. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So
3: I really want, you know, one thing that I know... learn as it mm. gets older is to not say be careful or watch mm. out but all those other things, you know, about what's your plan, what are you doing next, mm. you know, what's your where Got are a your whole feet. series dropping yeah. on this guy. So, all, few that, weeks so in, yeah. all that stuff that's, you know, that you do, mm. that's exactly why I was actually recommended to look at you is because, you know, like we have relief teachers you can come look to look at our me now.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> we have relief teachers come to our school that are like, are they allowed to be up there? Was and it's was like, well, did they climb themselves up there? Can they climb uh, themselves down? Yeah. Okay. And you know, that's exactly. just something that I think mm. does make a difference and it's not necessarily always happening at home.
2: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Monique? I think kids, yeah, I'm very tech savvy. Mm. Like the social skills <laughs> <Yeah. Yep. laughs> seem to be deteriorating a little bit, knowing how to problem solve. Yeah. Even though there's such an emphasis on things like STEM, which is inquiry-based learning, Yeah, kids, not. I guess they naturally are born with those abilities. But if they're not nurtured, then Mm. it's hard for them to maintain them. Yeah. Which is why there is such a push in schools to go towards that inquiry-based learning. But I don't know if it's kids coming to school and not having those opportunities or parents just don't have the same environments as previously. And it's so hard
0: because like entertainment, passive entertainment, like the TV, putting the TV on while you watch dinner or grabbing the iPad, it's so easy. And yeah. sometimes when you're really struggling with the mental load or like mm. the capacity or if you have three kids and, you, you know, your husband works long or your partner works long hours or, you know, there's lots going on. Like it's, you know, I, I always come back to that 30% of the time. Like yeah. You don't need to do things 100% of the time to make Correct. the difference. Yeah. And I really love that as a philosophy. But, for example, our son's now in year one and you get the like list and there's all this iPad apps to download, but we've actually downloaded them on the computer. So he's doing his Nessie or it's oh, like a read, reading, version of Reading yeah. Eggs. Like, and he's like, how do I delete this letter, mum? And I'm like, it's the backspace. He's like, oh, where is like, you know, yeah, so what is that? What is that? <laughs> um, and, you know, using a mouse and figuring it out. But, like, that's just a choice that we've made. And we still use the iPad at times, yeah. but we purposefully also introduce the computer. Mm. But it's hard. like, the There's language actually
3: a really funny flip mm. side of that mm. for us in the middle and older years is that – the children are so used to iPad time being fun time mm. that then things like, well, actually, NapClan is online, yeah. and we are judged as NAPLINE. a school. On things like that, or yeah. you know, like our standardized tests. And so, right. having the students not just go click, 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 I'm done. Mm. It's like, actually, no, this it's not is not a game. This yeah. is also a serious yeah. tool as well. You know, like if I'm planning lessons, I'm using a computer. It is my work tool. And yes. even just teaching that other side of
2: it, yeah. Between like game technology versus yeah. like learning.
0: Well, I constantly say to the kids, mummy's phone is not a toy, it's a tool. Like, you can't have it. Like, yeah you know and we'll use yeah, it that's a good thing to say at the doctor's like or you know in desperate moments but generally yeah. generally i can't have them deleting my instagram you
2: know <laughs> <laughs>
0: imagine Oh, my god <laughs> um anyway so we're back here with you guys in and your boys are now 3 months or or just under 3 months old like what, are you, what have you seen in the schools and then what are you choosing or what are the questions that you have around now for you guys and what are you guys trying to do differently?
2: I'm really mindful of screen time but then the more that I'm mindful of it, the more that I notice how much myself and my oh partner my yeah, are no. on screens. They're part of life. They are mm. and as a role model – I can see Geo looking at me on my phone or the T V is on in the background mm. as much as my I requested from school instead of random baby gifts, just bias books. Yeah. So that language development, everything is around yeah, actually reading to him every day. Yeah, going on those like adventure walks where you're telling him everything in the yes. house you're and outside. The sports commentary. <laughs> yeah. And
0: what about you, Helen? Do you have like? I think we what I can see that's happening now is we're kind of heading down some language questions, which again is not my specialty. <laughs> Devel- baby development, physio like movement development. But I can get. I think I can get E Elena who's my lead speech here at Western Kids, I can get her on the phone. Is that something you guys would be interested in?
2: Absolutely. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool.
0: So for while I get Eleanor on the phone, guys, she is the lead speech here at Western Kids Health, my private clinic, and she also is the author of the baby talk section of the membership, the Baby Play Academy that we run. So I'm going to give her a call now, and then I'll let you guys hit her up with questions because you guys did send some through around second languages and reading and a few things. So let's see if we can get her on the line. Hello. Hey, E. Hey, Eleanor. It's Nick here in the studio with Monique and Helen, my beautiful, brave first-time mums. And they are peppering me with some language and screen time questions. And I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to call Eleanor. Do you have like five or ten minutes to share generously with us here? I know that your yes. little one's sick at home. So if, you, if things are too much, just sing out and we can, we can do some blogging or something else to help. That's right. right. I'm happy to
1: answer some questions. All right. Awesome.
2: Yeah. So, Eleanor, my name is Monique. I've got little baby Geo here. I recently have noticed Gio being really excited by the fact that there's screens in our house and I would much prefer him to be interested in books. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do try to read to him every day. Uh, I've got a bit of a routine where I pull out a few books and have a pile on my um, table so that I know that I'm getting through that many books in the week. But is there any science between how many books we should be reading to help with their development in the early years and how much we should stay away from more screen-based learning, I guess?
1: Yeah, it's a tricky one, I think, when it comes to screen time because when you think of screens these days, it's almost a way of our life. Like We've got obviously TV, phones, iPads, all sorts of things and we use all of these bits of technology in ways that perhaps we didn't use them for in the past. So our phones are like a huge thing. So we use our phones for lots of different things like we might read emails and in the past, you know, you'd get a letter in the mail. You might be filling in forms whereas in the past it might, might have been paper. You're accessing the news. You might be booking appointments rather than picking up the phone and calling. You might be paying bills. Like, There's just so many different things that you do with your phone and, and I think that's why they're so prevalent now because in the past we didn't have access to that. Even things like looking up a recipe. I mean, in the past when you didn't have a smartphone, you'd open up a recipe book or perhaps you'd have like a snippet from a newspaper or a magazine but everything is just at our fingertips. So I think it's really hard to avoid screen time these days especially around phones but I think it, I guess it's not realistic to eliminate screens altogether the official recommendation is no screen time for less than two-year-olds
2: and then <laughs> no I've already the- failed <laughs> <I'm like, "Help."
1: laughs> I, w- I wouldn't say you failed I mean no. I think, like being a mum myself there there needs to be a bit of balance I mean if putting on the tv for your little one, and putting on Miss Rachel or Blissy or whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, if that means that that allows you to go and get a drink of water or like go to the toilet, chop up some, you know, yeah, go to the toilet by yourself. Like God, heaven forbid, like heaven forbid that you, you know, you need to do something on your own, mm. or if, if you need to just, you know, quickly put the washing on. I think
2: there needs to be a bit of balance. Yeah. Up I to would, this point, I would certainly. Sorry to interrupt. Up to this point, I feel like screen time hasn't been like purposely put in front of him. That's just a lot of incidental. Mm. It's on in the background and then all of a sudden his attention's like, whoa, what's that over there? And then I start watching it and then I'm like, at what point do I need to be more mindful of like turning off certain things that are around him? I
1: mean, I think like I almost have more questions than answers because I think it really depends on what's on the TV if it's just on in the background and it's like you know stuff that you might be watching perhaps news or TV shows and yeah. things like are you what's happening in that moment are you sitting down to watch the TV or is it just on in the background so that you can hear it? and what's he doing at that time is he happily playing or is he kind of like yeah. watching the TV yeah. it's, it's a really tricky one and I think we we kind of do need to be a little bit mindful of the TV and think well if we're watching it for things like the news then perhaps could you put on the radio for some news? Yeah. Or could you watch something later when he's asleep? Like we live in this world where everything's at our fingertips, and you can pause live TV and you can watch things later. Yeah. So, so I yeah. think we we probably do need to be mindful of it and limit it as much as you can. But of course, like like anything, if you if that's what's going to get you through, you know, a hard five or ten minutes, then I think. Your sanity is more valuable than having that five or ten minute screen time. And E, hey, I don't think that the, the FaceTime is included in those
0: recommendations. Yeah,
2: that's something that I...
0: Spoke like FaceTime on the phone? Yeah, so like social communication no. through the phone. I don't think that's included. Right.
2: Yeah, because yeah, Gio absolutely yeah. loves talking to like grandparents through yeah. the phone yep. on FaceTime and he like interacts with their faces. Yeah. like They'll be I think like smiling at him and then he'll smile back.
1: And that's yeah, and that's the thing. The biggest difference in that is that there's much more of this back and forth interaction rather than this almost like Like. daydream-like state of being glued to a screen. Mm. And there's like that social value in that. Like he's he's able to build a a relationship with you know like his grandparents or other people in your life that you might need to FaceTime. Yeah, Mm. and I think that's also really important. And again, like this is the world that we live in, and we we adapt to how things are now. Like I think that prior generations would have loved FaceTime and things like that. I mean, thinking way back, like they had to write letters to each other. And, yeah.
2: Oh my goodness! Yes. Like
1: FaceTime is just such a, a nice tool to, to stay connected and to feel close to people. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, I think I mean that's that's not necessarily included in the in the recommendations, but sure. yeah, it's it's more of that kind of being glued to the TV. TV time.
0: Eleanor, I know was another. There any recommendations on like? reading to your little one and yes, how
3: that influences what their about development. To
0: say. Yeah.
3: Yeah, so I have a further question on that as well because I know obviously at the early stages the high contrast images are what the baby can see. But when does it make a difference of me reading to Seb versus him being able to see the words versus him being able of focus on images? And like yeah. the different aspects of reading, when does that kind of start to come together for
0: or him? Or is it not even that nuance? It's just the interaction. Like, what, like, help us? In, yeah. Help us and enough.
1: this is the thing there are so many benefits to books, mm. and we don't need to sit down and kind of necessarily read them like they would in a traditional sense, but there are lots of benefits. So it's a, a nice language learning opportunity so they can experience language in a different way. Stories are, are also usually quite fun and engaging. Mm. There's nice, bright pictures, quite often the stories have a nice rhythm to them like Mm. uh, like a a verbal rhythm they might have rhyming words and things like that yeah 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 some of them might even be more familiar things like nursery rhyme type books Mm.
2: predictable Um, some of them as well yeah
1: and I think the thing that is really good about books is that they're always the same like you can read the same book over and over and it always has the same pictures the same words it becomes don't try and skip and pages
2: on <laughs> books that they love. <laughs> <laughs> when they're yeah. older, But When yes. they're older. <laughs> but when, they're, when yeah. they're
1: little, you don't, like,
0: it's true, isn't it, Eleni, that you don't have to actually read word for word. No. Like,
1: there are so many right. different ways to, to
0: engage yeah, with definitely.
1: a book. And I mean, like a lot of young children and babies won't necessarily want to sit there, listen to the words in the book, and they, they might not really understand that story kind of part of things. but. They might really want to like touch the pages or look at the pictures or, you know, see what's on the next page and then flip back to the page they were just on or turn the book upside down. So I think what's really important is to your child's lead with that Mm. and kind of meet them where they're at. So, I mean, you don't need to read all the words in the book. You might read one page and then you might flip back. You might read the other page or you might just simply talk about what they're interested in. Like, oh, yeah, that, that's got a bumpy bit here," or oh, that's a really um bright picture. It's got lots of red and yellow. Um, Look how you just put and, on that, like, parentese, like,
0: straight <laughs> away. I know that yeah. not everyone might know what that means, but Eleanor, as soon as she goes into her, like, she, she puts on this voice that's evidence-based in helping babies yeah. understand language. That's what parenting I would never let you, you like that, Nicole. Oh, you I talk mean, to
2: me
1: like that like all the time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm just going to help you understand my point.
2: <laughs> I have noticed Gio is most engaged with stories when I become like an actor and I'm all animated with what's going on in the story. <laughs> His face yeah, just like different. lights up. <laughs> oh, um, but
1: um, The other thing I was going to say about books and you... Like you're exposing him to this without even knowing, is that like he's already being exposed to pre literacy skills Mm -hmm. just by having books around? Mm -hmm. Because it's also about understanding that verbal words have a written or a visual representation Mm -hmm. that we can see. And, -hmm. you know, even little things like knowing which way to hold the book and Mm -hmm. knowing what part of the book are the words like which part of the page are the words and then which direction do we read them in and which direction do we turn the pages? They're all skills, yeah. And knowing as well that actually when we read stories, written language sounds very different to spoken language. Mm. And like all of these things that you don't even realise are of benefit, like that's these things are invaluable in helping children to learn language and learn different systems in language as well. So I think... Like if, you, if your child doesn't necessarily want to sit down and read a book cover to cover, that's okay. The other thing actually I was just going to mention on that is just around things like Kindle-type mm. books or like audio books and mobile phones and iPads and things. Mm. And again, going back to technology, we live in this world of so much technology. Mm. But what we do as adults is we decide the way that we would like to access yeah. written text. Yep. We decide whether we want to pull out a newspaper and read the news or yep. get our phone or iPad or computer. Mm. So same kind of thing for, for children and babies. You can expose them to a variety of different types of text mm. so that they know, oh, this is how we go about reading. And then over time, as they develop, we're, what we're encouraging them to do is to be able to make their own choices about how they'd like to access text and how they'd like to, to read, essentially. And, I mean, for those children that do struggle to read, there's lots of technology out there on mobiles and iPads where, like, it'll read for you.
2: Mm. Um, And even audiobooks is something that I'm a primary school teacher. Upper primary, though, we use audiobooks quite a lot and some of the ways that the books are read, especially some of those traditional books, they have actors reading them. So it becomes much more, like, exciting to (laughs) listen to. Yeah. Better than my voice. <laughs> and, uh, listening and yeah. comprehension. Sometimes, skills. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Sometimes it's almost more engaging than boring old yeah. mum.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they're so clever. So Claire's now three and I'm, you know, on Sunday afternoon I'm like, Mum just needs an hour on the couch with a rug, reading her romance, like, leave me alone, guys. Sitting there on the couch. <laughs> with my phone and then like get up and like at the end of that, I'm like, Claire, get your shoes, like it's time to go. Get your shoes and then like I'm that's trying to also find really all nice things that
1: in, you're able to do that in the because then you're also modeling to her or showing her like this is how I access text, yes. and I find yes. I find reading interesting and exciting. And you're kind of like children will learn through modelling right, and what they see. Well, it's so, so funny you say um, that because hopefully like, she enjoys that too.
0: I like you know get up to get the shoes and stuff, and I come back in and she's under the rug on a couch but with a print book like just a um, random yeah. print book. And she's like, I'm reading my book. Leave me alone. Go get your shoes. I <laughs> Go wonder get where your she shoes. gets and that <laughs> from. I was like, oh my God, don't sound like that. <laughs> but she obviously like, that's how I chose to relax. and That's what I did. And she just copied it. But she knows that I'm reading, but she's chosen a different form of print to do mm. that. And I thought that was really... Like insightful, and I was like, wow, could do that at
2: three. Yeah, they say it won't be long,
1: Nicole, before she starts stealing your phone trying to read. I'm sure. I've got to buy some more print books.
2: Moving away from like stories and books and things like that, talking about more things that you can listen to, like music and rhyme and things Mm. like that. How much does exposure to all different types of like musical based things and rhythm and things affect like development?
1: I guess the thing that's really nice about
2: them is that they're exciting. They've
1: got like a nice beat. And like I was saying before around books, music or at least songs that we know in traditional nursery rhymes are usually or always predictable in the way mm-hmm. that they sound and predictable in, in the in the kind of tone and, and the music that you get from them. So in that way, nursery rhymes and songs and music are a really nice way to also learn language. They can start to anticipate like the next part of the song and what might be coming. And we can really like manipulate and use nursery rhyme songs and music to have, have children engage a little more, mm. to take turns in, in the interaction to start to try and say words or make a sign. Um, yeah. and I think because they're so routine and familiar, they're, they're like a really nice, comfortable, like a way to experience like a language, additional language as well. And like we're saying before with the parentese, parentese is this way of talking that's almost quite sing-songy. Mm. So we know that children will tune into those sing-songy voices a little bit more because they're interesting and they're different mm. and engaging. So, of course, similarly with songs, when they hear those sing-songy voices, they'll tune into those quite mm. a lot. And the other thing that music also does is sometimes when we hear words in a song, they'll stretch out the words. So when we talk uh, yes. I don't make like, I don't even know how many words I say in a second. Mm. Like, I'd love to know. I reckon it's like five to ten words in a second. Mm. But in music quite often the words are stretched out and they're longer and they give
2: you can hear the syllables. And children.
1: Yeah. Yeah, they they kind of give them a little bit of time to process that and to hear all of the little sounds in words Mm. which is also really like slowing down is so important and I say this all the time when I'm working with families like the the value of pausing and slowing down Mm. like I can't even put value to that and I understand how it is because when I'm at work as a speech, I can do that so well Mm -hmm. but when I'm at home as mum I'm always like okay like Get What's next? When's nap time? <laughs> or hang on a second, like, have you had enough water today? Do I need to change your nappy? There's always it's almost
3: the same as think time nothing. in the classroom. We, You know, teachers often have the perception that they're giving lots of think time. And then when one of the things we're taught in our professional learning is to actually count inside your head or mm. film yourself on a uh-huh. phone or an iPad or whatever, because you think, oh yeah, I've given plenty of time for someone to come come up with an answer, and actually, you've given like half a second, mm. whereas you need to give five yeah. seconds. You know, we instantly <laughs> sure. want to fill the void and ask another question, and we think. move so fast,
1: don't we? <laughs> and we they ha- don't have give kids no enough processing time. time.
2: Yeah.
1: And I actually think to myself a lot of the time, particularly when I'm in clinic working with families. Sometimes I, I sit there with the kids, and I'm like. Gosh, I wonder if this family are just like wondering what is this speechy doing because she's hardly talking. Mm. Because that's how much I pause and wait, and of course I, I do explain that. But pausing and waiting and thinking like five seconds is actually a really long time. It yep. almost feels uncomfortable. Okay. Yep. Mm. Hey, E.
0: The boys are now three months old, and I know that this is a huge time for their a really big change in their in their brain development. And often it's around this time that they they really like the, in the, you know, like, you know, those songs that go up and down, like the wheels on the bus go round and round. And so, it, like, but can you tell us why that they start, start really loving those, like, and you know, old MacDonald had a farm, like those up and down songs now?
1: Yeah, I guess um, at around that age, three months, they're really tuning into what's happening around them. Like you notice that they're becoming so much more, alert and engaged and interested Mm. in the things that are happening around them it's almost like there's this time where they're trying to pull all of their senses together Mm. like they're trying to pull like together oh like my arm moves and like (laughs) um, (laughs) well like (laughs) that feels that feels soft and that feels bumpy and like I can see things and like shadows and lights and and colorful things and same kind of thing is happening in terms of their ability to listen there's just this rapid growth in, in their cognition, in, in their mm. ability to try and make sense of the world. And because there's such a, a big leap in, in development in, in all of the senses, they become really interested in the things that they can hear. And lots of those, like we're talking about with music, lots of those up and down tones in, in a voice are really interesting and really different and exciting for them to listen to. Mm. And what we, we know as well is that, of course, it's, it's a really good thing if your baby's tuned into voices in particular. I mean, there are always environmental noises around us. Like right now, mm. I can hear someone doing some gardening. I think they've got like a blower or a lawnmower. Mm. But it's this period of time where they're learning to distinguish what noises are happening in, vi- in my environment, which ones are important to, to really mm. tune into. And they're they're tuning into voices and rhythm and music. And it's a really big communication milestone for them in knowing that, oh, like mum's voice is important or dad's A voice is important. I need to tune in and I need to listen to that. That actually links Um,
3: really, really directly to one of my other questions that I had about second languages. Because I know from way back many years ago when I did linguistics that babies are born with the ability in their brain to hear all human speech sounds. And then as the brain develops, they prune out the ones that aren't necessary. But what I, I'm hoping you might be able to shed some light on is how much exposure does the baby need to keep that sound? So I did German at high school. My mother-in-law speaks a little bit of French. I'd love to be able to have Seb keep more speech sounds and even other languages, but those are just the two that we have access to. And, you know, is us saying a few sentences here and there every few days actually going to make any difference or is that completely useless and it has to be really like immersed completely in more than one language Mm -hmm. to make a difference?
1: Yeah. So when it comes to speech sounds, of course we kind of tune into the ones that are important in the language that we speak. Mm -hmm. Because we need to learn them and we need to learn how to how to pronounce them and we hear them all the time. So we know that they're important. But when it comes to a second language, the evidence says that it's best to have a consistent language with a consistent person in your life. So, mm. if you speak English with mum and let's just say like Spanish with dad, like it should always be English with mum and Spanish with dad and nothing else really. Like that, yep. that's the best evidence around learning mm. a second language or a different language to, to your primary language like English. It is a really hard balance though to achieve that, particularly in a world or, or in Australia now where we we live in such a multicultural community, like th- there's just so many different and competing things happening in our lives that we don't always speak one language. Like a child will never always hear their dad speak one language and their mum speak another because we have to use English. That's mm. like our daily life. So ideally we would want to be exposing them to that language as much as possible. Phrases here and there might be okay, but it's probably not enough to really have a a strong foundation of understanding of that language and then building to pronouncing
2: that language. Yeah, later on. Um, yeah, yeah, because I had the same thought. I've been playing him like Italian nursery rhymes and Italian music, hoping that he'll pick up Italian later in life. <laughs>
0: <laughs> good, good aim, it. Hey, Eleanor, what might be helpful is you've spoken about how the babies are starting to tune in, but how that tuning in but also being able to see your face and your mouth move and kind of like how that's helpful from a foundational language imitation point of view in that connection.
1: Yeah, so I think it goes back to that whole like trying to connect everything, right? Like having a look at where they're at developmentally, they're tuning into all of their senses which includes that vision and looking and watching. So, yes, babies will be interested in faces, like same thing when it comes to speech, so they'll be able to look at their environment and see that, oh, actually, a face is really interesting or more interesting than book or more interesting than like the chair that's behind and
0: that noise Um, is coming out of that hole and when she changes
1: the shape of the things yeah noise changes exactly yes and again it goes back to like modeling and children learning through watching us do things so being able to tune into a face is really important because it shows them well how has that person moving their mouth what are they doing with their face Um, and what you might yeah, I, I was going to say mm. what you might start to see is them imitating your facial expre- expressions or trying to move their face in the same way that you would, which, I mean, it's really cute and it's a really exciting milestone, but it's also, that in itself is a foundation for language learning or a, a pre-linguistic skill, so a pre-language skill, mm. because we need to, or babies need to learn the imitation, like you can learn through imitation, right? If I was to teach you a word in another language, yeah, you would listen to me say it, you would look at me say it, and then you would imitate or copy me. Mm. So being able to imitate facial expression is actually a step in the right direction when it comes to learning language because they're learning, oh, like I can connect with you by doing the same as you. Mm. It's fun. Mm. It's engaging. And this is how I learn to do the things that you do.
2: Yeah, and also um, does it help them to build confidence when you're, like, mimicking their facial expression? So if they stick out their tongue, you stick out your tongue and then you start going yeah. that two-way type communication without them being able yes. to speak.
1: and return, Definitely. baby. Yeah.
2: And that's, um,
1: yeah, I mean, like, not only does it help with that, like, I see you, I see what you're doing, like, I acknowledge you, I'm connecting with you. Not only does it give them that opportunity, but it also teaches them that skill of, I'm copying what you're doing, so in order to learn, you copy what I do as yeah. the parent, as the role model. So, when yeah, does I mean, that become so more purposeful? Benefits. So the
3: difference between gurgling and making just noises versus I'm trying to imitate what you're doing, I'm trying to make words because that's how you're communicating with so me, nice. it must be what I'm sorry, yes, like speech mm. sounds. Wh- like when does yeah. the baby know that that's how communication works?
1: Well, I mean, it, it happens pretty early on. Babies will know that their voice has, has power, mm. usually around four <laughs> yes, months. Yes, he does. Like, <laughs> yeah, he shouts like, at me. <laughs> from, I know. Three, I mean, even from really young, like two, three months, they, they know that, oh, like I'm making a noise. And and from birth, they they cry and they know that crying
2: Gets attention. Like, <laughs> yeah, no. exactly. yeah. Meet yeah. their needs. And meet so their
1: needs, sorry. When they cry. <laughs> like, yeah, like, I'm, like I'm fed or I'm soothed or I'm hugged or my nappy's changed. Like, they know this from birth. So babies mm-hmm. really do communicate with us from birth. But mm-hmm. when it comes to those sounds that they're making, there is certainly like a, a bit of a progression in being able to imitate those sounds. So around three, four months, they might be starting to make those chewing sounds which are more like trap sounds. And then... Between that four to six month mark, they might start to make more babbling sounds like ma, ba, or those types of, the of little, words. Um, you know and I mean,
0: the bubble blown. <laughs> yeah,
1: yes, the raspberries are very cute, mm. but I mean, they are kind of heading towards speech sounds, mm. and even some of those early sounds are speech sounds because they're kind of think like, ah mm. and ah is a speech sound that we use. Mm. So
2: um, that'll probably be
3: coming pretty soon then. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah, is exactly. there any
2: value in like? teaching some sign to your baby as a precursor to them actually being able to talk.
1: Yes, yeah, so I think there are quite a few people that do baby sign. I think I just wanted to clarify around sign that there are, there are kind of different things that are meant by sign. Okay. So as a speechy, I would recommend something called keyword sign. Yeah. So it's where. They're all writing it down. <laughs> Oh, good. It's where we use spoken English sentences with some key signs, and those key signs are usually borrowed from Auslan. So, Auslan is a language in itself, it has its own set of grammatical rules. We, like, it it would be learning another language if we were using Auslan, but when I work with younger kids. I don't necessarily use Auslan. I don't know how to speak Auslan myself. Mm, but I yes. do borrow oh. signs from Auslan and sign oh. the key words. Yep. And that's really to support the like the receptive ability of children and that expressive mm-hmm. ability. So we, we emphasize the key information in words yep. with a sign. Yep. So it can be useful in breaking down some of those communication barriers and also creating a really rich environment for language learning. So... Of course, it helps us be more clear because Mm. when you think of a verbal word, like I said before, we talk so fast, it's there and Mm. it's gone and you have to be pretty tuned in and pretty quick to to Mm. catch it. But with that visual representation of a word, it's there for a lot longer. So it can really help to aid comprehension or understanding. Mm. But we also know that quite often those larger motor movements develop before those smaller verbal speech skills. Yeah. So we know that that can kind of bridge that that gap of I'm I'm really wanting to communicate but I don't have the skills to use oh, my voice yet. Yeah. Or so reduce the frustration. With, yeah. yeah it really and it also makes sense that it's
3: using more parts of the brain because it's using a visual part, a movement part and a communication part, you know, in in tandem. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the research around using keyword signs, there's a small amount of research. A lot of it is, In the disability population, just around how we can support people who um, have communication difficulties to be able to communicate in whichever way they they choose to, or whichever way they can. But what we do know for sure is that using keyword sign won't harm Mm. our children's
0: development.
1: So, I mean, if we're not causing harm, then I, I don't think there's a reason to not do it necessarily.
0: Because mm. um, we get that about, locks,
1: that's a lot, that's a big question
0: that's always asked in the Baby Play Academy. If I start sign, is that going to delay their talking? And that's not what we see, is it? A, we see like that when you're using the keyword sign with the words, often the little ones younger will start trying to sign finished even though they don't have that fine motor control to do the proper sign, yeah. but they're trying to make the gesture yeah, and so yeah. they're communicating with you and it does ease.
1: And I was going to say when we see sign a child, using a sign with intention in context and it's pretty similar to what we've been doing. It might not be as precise as what we do as adults, but we would also consider that a word. So, like, if, if they're trying to sign finish or more and they're not yet speaking, you would say that's, it. that's actually their first word, mm-hmm. using a sign. Yeah. I was going to say that the other thing to note with this is just that, like, ideally we want to use signs that are borrowed from Auslan as much as we can. I mean, there's lots of stuff on the internet that we see and often i see parents come in and they're using signs that are American Sign Language but yes. it's not the end of uh, the world. Yeah, and I no actually say to them, if that's what your child understands and that's what they're using, cool. go with it. Mm. And even if your child makes up their own sign, then like that's okay, go with that too. I know Nicole and I were talking <laughs> yesterday about how you can make up signs for your name. Oh, because we were talking about in the
0: Baby Play Academy we have a, we have a Baby Keyword Sign Masterclass which goes through some key... Signs like mom and dad. And I said to Eleanor, but what if we have two mums? Like, and she's like, well, you'd sign mom and then you'd do Eleanor. And she did like this nice, like thumbs up with her hand. I was like, I what about like a happy dance? <laughs> and she's like, maybe like mom. And she had like these crazy hands by her head. And I was like, how come?
2: Adding the adjective. i hands,
0: like, how does that mean, Nicole? And she's like, well, that's just like who you are. And I was like, oh, you're
2: right.
3: Uh, One of my my placement schools had the deaf school on site. And so, Auslan, and I think they did Auslan and Italian from memory to get both as second languages. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, one of the teachers in, so they do good morning and good afternoon at the beginning and end of the day with uh, the Auslan signs as well. And I'll never forget one of the teachers that did one day a week in that classroom was Mrs Swan. And so the others got the first letter of their name signed as a finger letter Mm. sign. Swan is like this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> she's, 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 Helen's just doing this rapid like, poke,
2: like pecking. pecking motion with her
0: hand. And baby baby Seb nearly woke her up. He's like,
3: oh, oh mum, what are you doing? <laughs> Every other one is like, you know, just the letter. And then the kids, these little year ones, wildly pecking with their arms when
0: she was her day. <laughs> oh, I love
2: it. Very cute. Mm.
0: Guys, did you have any other questions for Eleanor?
2: Just going back to real basics, when should we expect words to start Oh, being formed. living the moment. <laughs> I know. Beautiful. I just just curious, <laughs> and yes. yeah, uh, what sort of range? Um, Obviously, we don't want to put a at this month, <laughs> but yes, yeah,
1: so around one year, around twelve months, okay. we expect to start seeing some first words, okay. and of course, it's it's not the only developmental milestone. Like we're also looking at what can your child understand? Can they follow do they know some words? Can they follow a simple instruction? What else are they yeah. doing in terms oh. of their expressive mm. ability? Can they wave? Can they can they interact in other ways? Mm. So, yeah, so and different things, things count as words, yeah. which we'll talk about closer yep. to that 12-month. Yeah,
0: ones. sure. <laughs> bring Eleanor back. <laughs> Slow down. But I, when you were speaking yeah, about – come back. <laughs> Yes, we'll have you back, Ellen, of course. When we were talking earlier about the serve and return, so that imitation, like then you were asking when do – like that's the first smiles. Like they're mm. smiling at you and you're mirroring that. Yeah. And that is a beautiful like it's the connection, best engagement. Yeah. And, it, yeah, it's just – it's a wonderful it's thing cool. for not only your relationship but their mouth muscles and their – you know, mm. they're like, this is how I can communicate. And she's responding. And this is fab. Like, we're, we're there. Yeah, it's beautiful. And
2: everything's forgiven when they smile mm. at
3: you
0: in the morning yes, well they're they not sleeping. And then they get their reaching happening and they touch your face in the middle of the night. You're
3: like, oh, my God. That's, that's so cute. Like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I take it that's better than the scratching down the chest that's happening at the moment. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> take what you can get.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, Ellen, do you have any comments on that? Yes, I agree. It is super rewarding. You're kind of like, oh, my God, like. Well, this hard work and effort, you're finally giving me something in return. Yeah. But like a lot of these milestones super important, but also like really nice to achieve and really important because like that in itself, like me just saying, oh, it's so nice to get a smile after all that time. Like that in itself builds that, that real strong caregiver connection with mm. a baby and a child. Yeah. And quite often if they're smiling, you're likely to smile back or say something, or do something. So to again, try and get like, more
0: smiles. It, mm.
1: Yeah, and it's real. It's foundation in, I mean, like language learning. But even more importantly, it's it's pretty foundational in just developing that really strong, close, and trusting bond of knowing when I do something, I'll be responded to, yes. or when I do something, like someone understands me.
2: Mm. Yeah. And I don't, I've got something really random that just popped into my head. It must be the sleep deprivation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just curious about, you know, when babies yawn and you yawn after them, I've noticed that he doesn't yawn after I yawn. Is that just something that develops over time? Because I know people can catch each other's yawn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's he's like, talking about sleep. <laughs> Sorry. Like how you, how you look contagious. like Yeah, you know, exactly. Is that me? like something around empathy or I don't know? Uh,
1: I don't know exactly, but I would say that it's probably a, a, like a higher cognitive, social, emotional type thing. And I, I, I agree, like young babies and children don't always do it back and they probably will develop that over time. But I'd say there's probably, their brains probably just aren't mature enough and ready for that. And I mean, it's probably one of those mirroring skills. So when we, and mirroring in, in neurology is when you look at someone and you watch what they're doing and you hear what they're saying and what happens to the person who's viewing or watching is that the same neural pathways actually fire up in their brain mm-hmm. as they're watching and experiencing that. So I think that's probably where the, the idea of the contagious yawning comes from. I'd just say that perhaps that those neural pathways Um, aren't quite developed in those younger kids. What do you think, Nick? Oh, yeah, it'd be interesting to look at the research, but I think people forget that babies' brains develop
0: over time and you cannot rush some of that development. Like, you cannot – and there's a big range. So that's why some babies are crawling at five months and others are crawling at 12 months. And that's a range of when they're they're going to and that's okay. And I think because that first year – it's, it's such a small part of our lives, right? So like I'm in my mid-30s, like it's a very small part of my life but it's a very big time in their life and so they've gone from this, even if over three months, this tiny, you know, squished up little newborn that is there to now he's, you know, smiling and he's trying to bat things and he's on his tummy and kicking and like there, there's this rapid progression across all areas of development and there's so much going on and it's unique to each of them, depending on their genetics and their environment and their personality and their attachment and your responsiveness to your cues, like I think about all of the things that you can do to help your little ones' development, and that responding to their cues, not all like one hundred percent, like responding to their cues, <laughs> 90%. And, and we're going to come back to that. <laughs> yeah. But that can that is the thing that relationship because we've talked we've talked about it in physio. You can do the best physio in the world. You can do the best, you know. P- Purposeful play and motor facilitation, and if if there's not a strong caregiver attachment, which you know has that foundational relationship, like it's really hard mm-hmm. to gain those skills and how to progress. So it's you know, then that's.
2: I'm reflecting us. on three months old only, like how mm. much he's developed. Mm.
1: Crazy! It's nuts. Yeah. And, I'm I think sh- the the brain is a pretty incredible thing. Yeah, like absolutely incredible how much they learn, but then also like in in out of years and knowing that your brain doesn't actually fully develop until (laughs) you're 25 and and how how your brain can be quite good at adjusting to what's happening and and finding other ways of doing things. So I think there's a lot we we still don't know. (laughs) So said your brain's still developing because you're not 25 yet.
3: So I like,
0: what? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm sorry. that went down well. No, it didn't.
3: (laughs) Helen, what were you going to say? Sorry. Well, I'm not sure if Monique's had the same experience, but my first school I've been reflecting a lot. On training that I did at that school, whilst we've been having this conversation, because one of the school psychs did a talk about how, even from birth, making eye contact develops um, neural pathways that lead to resilience in older life. Mm. And we, I, so I was in a large primary school with uh, a very low socioeconomic area, and there was definitely uh, addiction in the mm. community. Mm. And so we sort of had to learn of what impacts that had in terms of when the family the caregivers were not in the capacity to yeah. respond and you know the so that school actually worked really 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 hard to have pre-kindy and then high intake of kindy and had mm. child nurse on child health nurse like mm. on the edge of the school mm-hmm. premises and got did a lot of work around that early stuff because there was a recognition that the community didn't necessarily provide that for the capacity to offer them. Exactly. And and you know, I'm I'm so aware of what feels like a little thing now, like the difference of sitting and looking and making funny faces versus, yeah, I'm holding you and I'm shushing you and I'm calming (laughs) you, but I'm also looking at my phone. Like just those Mm. little things I'm trying so hard Mm. because I have seen what that looks like at the year three, year four, year five stage. For when, it unfortunately hasn't gone as well. And it it just, yeah, as you say, like we're only three months in and it seems like there's so much development already and there's such a long way to go before we even get to thinking about kindy, let alone what impact it's going to have in schooling. But, yeah, just those little reactions day by day, minute by minute, mm. they they really do make a difference over time.
0: And I think that's probably, like for me, like, the, you know, people start with a, more advantaged because of their social circumstances mm. and their family situation and other things. And some people start where their family doesn't have the capacity yeah. to provide those supports, but humans are so adaptable. They're mm. incredibly adaptable and maladaptable, but we're incredibly adaptable. And for kids that have had a really tough time with good supports and good role models and things, you can. Relationship, relationships, yeah, relationships, relationships. 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 We're, we're, yep. We will come back to that. And so like, you know, it's, it's, Like, you know, it's big big problems. We're going into philosophy here, podcasters. (laughs) But, it's you know, you guys are here and a lot of you listening are like, you're wanting to do the best for your little ones. And you're like, already doing so well. Mm, Give yourself some credit. Like you're trying to provide as much as you can and in your capacity. And that's why we always say your mental health is the most important because if if you're not feeling in that capacity, that's the hardest thing. So, you know, look after yourself and reach out if you can. In saying that, if someone that's been there – not reached out. I can understand the barriers to reaching out as well. So you know, but kids or thinking are like, oh, it's not
3: that bad. Like there's other people that are worse, worse than me. So yeah. I, I like, I don't want to waste someone's time. Comparison is a thief yeah. of joy yeah. for everybody.
1: So you yeah, know, totally um, agree with that. Yeah, poor and Ellen's that's why I was saying when it comes to t- when it comes to TV time. If you need five or yeah. ten minutes, even though it's not like recommended, like your how you are in that moment is more important. And allowing your child five or ten minutes of TV time. That's not necessarily going to harm them in the long, long term. Especially like if you make it bluey,
3: because then it's an Australian accent. Yes. And also <laughs> then we're all laughing.
0: <laughs> but also co-watching is very different as well to passive, passive consumption of TV. Yes. But like I know mm. that I used to get frustrated with people in my children's lives that when they got together with them, they would just sit on the couch and watch TV with them. And I'm like, come on, like use this time for interaction. But they didn't like your kids don't need it 100% of the time and everyone has different relationship ways and so people are struggling with their own things and so them just being there and co-watching Bluey or, you know, The Wiggles or whatever it is that's driving you mad, like it's okay because you're offering something different to your child's life and your husband or your partner or their grandparents or whoever's it all, all got different things to offer and then your child will take little bits from all of those things for their own unique personality and I think we get so caught up in what we should do and not focus yeah. in the like – here and now and trying to like make this child's life perfect when it doesn't. I don't think
1: we're, I don't think we're very forgiving of ourselves. No. Like I think we, we do things and we like, we're always thinking like, I could have done this better. I should have done this differently or have I done enough or have I done damage? Like I, I think we're not very forgiving of ourselves at all.
0: No, we're not. I'm thinking yep. that now with my seven-year-old. <laughs>
1: and I'm about to cry. So Monika,
3: Helen, you better say something. Well, when you said about taking different things from different people, mm. my gran who was in Perth has passed away many years ago now. But when, like, when I think back to when we were sort of primary school aged and she was still mobile in her own place, if I think about what we did with her, I would say swimming in the backyard and always with these little bowls of nibblies, had to have nibblies. It was like, where are they? It's the end of the world. (laughs) And playing cards.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure we did so many
3: other things. I'm sure, you know, there were a million other things that we did, but those are the two things that I would say, that's my gran. Mm. Sun, swimming, playing cards.
2: Yeah, and for me it was like listening to the old music and Mm. then doing word searches with my grandma. Yeah. And then bath time was always fun as well. Yeah. And it's, and yeah, I just think that, yeah, take what you, like, Try not to
0: influence other people's relationships. Like, obviously, if it's not a helpful relationship, you're like, you know, we're caregivers and we want to protect our little ones. But yeah, everyone has a different way of doing things. And it's nice to have a variety. Variety is the spice of life.
2: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) Sorry, E. You might have to, yes, have a wine later on for me to get through this week. I'm up for that. I yeah. think,
2: yeah, everything you've said has been so helpful um, and it's good for us to really try and give ourselves a little bit of a break because yes. we are already doing so much. Yes.
0: And you've been so generous with your time today, Eleanor. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate you being here and answering all the questions that I can't. So we're going to have a little pause now and come back for part three on baby play and movement, which is my jam. Um, And so, yeah, so thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank
0: Thanks. you. Bye. Bye. Thank you. Bye. I wanted to introduce you to my online membership, the Baby Play Academy, with over 250 purposeful play ideas from birth to walking, masterclasses on rolling, crawling, walking, and baby sign language, bonus extras, webinars from paediatric experts and tummy time and sensory play PDFs, over 150 frequently asked questions at your fingertips, and my favourite, on-hand support from my team of physio ot and speech as well as hundreds of other parents in our online support forum it is everything you need to play connect and reduce the anxiety around development in that first year and a half of your baby's life come and check it out at www.babyplayacademy.com i would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded on the traditional lands of the wadjuk people of the noongar nation I recognise their continued connection to the land and waters of this beautiful place and acknowledge that they never ceded sovereignty. I pay my respect to the Elders, both past, present and future. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Baby Banter. If you've enjoyed it, or if you have more questions, let's continue the conversation over on my Instagram, Nicole underscore Kids You can also check out NicoleKidsPhysio.com for lots of goodness, as well as the freebies mentioned today. Do you know a new parent or have a family member with questions? I would love it if you could share this podcast with them. Don't forget to leave a rating and review, and I'll see you next time on Baby Banter. Hey,
3: mom, it's time for Baby Banter.